I'm Melissa. I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life. The podcast helps you understand the chemistry of your everyday life. Okay, Jim, guess what? What? I have no idea. Today, we're going to answer a listener question, and I think it's going to be a pretty cool one. Oh, sweet. Okay, cool. So this, today's episode is all about why carbonated drinks explode when you shake them. You know, if you shake a can Mm. and then you open it, it goes wild. Yes, yes, definitely. So it's that, it's all about that. Okay. It's from listener Cameron L. So thanks Cameron L for writing in and being patient because I think Cameron asked this about eight weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That seems so, pretty par for the course though on a lot of our definitely. <laughs> questions that end up becoming episodes and you having time to like research them and whatnot. Um, right. So anyway. Well, actually I'm glad you mentioned research too, because this question I think is a really good one and it lets us touch on some foundational topics, but it was actually hard for me to find peer-reviewed journal articles about it. Mm, mm. So I used sources that I find are typically reliable. I used something called the UCSB Science Line. So this is at UCSB, which is a university. They ask different professors questions and get a few different answers from different professors. Okay. So other scientists who are doing research answer those questions. And the other one was a Scientific American article as well. Okay. So those are two sources that I generally find to be reliable and in line with other resources I have. It was just actually hard to find things that I would consider peer-reviewed journal journal articles about this topic. Okay, okay. So and, I just wanted to give a heads up on that. And is the way you said it, so I'm going to go with the way Cameron asked it, essentially, like the way that the question was worded? Yes. Okay, Cameron cool. said, why do carbonated drinks like soda or kombucha explode? Explode when you shake them. Got it. Got it. Ooh, kombucha. I definitely have a lot of kombucha <laughs> explosion stories as well. Yeah, because you used to make it, didn't you? <laughs> yes. Yes. I've had way more crazy uh, sort of explosions that with kombucha than I have with uh, any soda at any time, any time of my life. <laughs> so I'm very invested in whatever answers you're going to reveal to all of us. Good. I'm so glad. That's actually part of why I was excited to do this and wanted to do it, even though I couldn't find the types of resources I normally do. I feel Mm. pretty confident that this is accurate information and it answers a question that I think a lot of us have, like Mm. you with your kombucha experience and just in everyday life, I think people wonder why that happens. So I'm excited to be able to answer it, even though it's not maybe as thoroughly researched as I normally want it to be. I think this is still valuable to share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, and I'm also going to flip the script a little. I thought the best way to teach this would actually be to give you an analogy first. Okay. Which is kind of mean because then you have to try to come up with a different analogy later, but I think it's worth it. That's true. Yeah, that is kind of mean, but I (laughs) I think I'll allow it just this once and um, and we'll see how how negatively it affects my, my small corner of things, but I'm very open to it, especially if it helps me understand it better. So. Yeah, I think it, I think it will help understand a little bit easier. So here's my analogy. Uh, Okay. Imagine we're in star Wars or some similar place and within the general population hiding, there are a bunch of rebels, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
They're in a crowd of non-rebels. They're hiding in plain sight. Okay. And they need something. All these people who have this sense of injustice and things aren't right, they need something to bring them together to actually make a rebellion happen. Right, right. On their own, they one person does not form a rebellion. Right. You need yeah. to do what you can in your own spot, but it's not going to make as big of a difference as when people band together and work towards a common goal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, right. So that's basically what goes on in soda cans. Okay, interesting. Okay, so hold that in your mind, and then we're going to talk about the actual chemistry language, and then I'm going to bring it back to that analogy. Okay, sweet. That sounds great. I like starting it with that. That helps me already. Yeah, I think I think it will be helpful. So the two main chemistry lessons that you have today are actually ones we've had before, but they're in a different context today, so I think it's valuable to kind of review. Okay. One is intermolecular forces. So intermolecular forces, just to review, we've done a lot of episodes on this. You can go back and listen if you want a more thorough overview, but they are the forces by which two molecules interact with each other. So they're not a bond. They're more like an attraction. Mm. You have one molecule that's partially negative. It's going to be drawn to a molecule that's partially positive. Or if two molecules come close together, you can temporarily make them be attracted to each other by shifting the negative electrons to one side and making a partial positive. Okay. So they're just, they're not a true bond, but they are, an attraction of negative and positive forces as they come near one another usually. Right, right. So intermolecular forces are actually responsible for things being dissolved. And literally what something dissolved is, is that molecule is surrounded by molecules of another substance, right? So if you dissolve sugar in water, the sugar is still there. The bonds inside the sugar don't break. Mm. They just get surrounded by water And when they're surrounded by water, they go into the water solution. They make a solution together and they're, they're enveloped with these water molecules. Mm, mm -hmm, Right. So that's what being dissolved means is you have a molecule and due to intermolecular forces, it will be all surrounded by the liquid molecule or whatever it's dissolved in. Right. Right. Okay. So normally in a soda can, You have carbon dioxide that's dissolved in the water syrup flavor mixture. Uh So you have the CO2 molecule that is, it would be a gas if it could be, but in this case, the individual molecules are surrounded by the other molecules, water syrup that's inside the soda. Okay. And the intermolecular forces are what's keeping these things surrounding the CO2. Okay. And in order for these CO2 bubbles to, well, in order for these CO2 molecules to form bubbles that then you see in your soda and they rise to the top and they kind of pop and go away, they actually have to overcome those intermolecular forces and the tension that's holding the water molecules and the sugar molecules around them come together and enough of the CO2 molecules have to come together to make a a dent, literally a space in the rest of the liquid that's present. Mm-hmm. And that's when you will see a bubble. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
So when you see a bubble forming and getting bigger and bigger, what you are literally seeing is carbon dioxide molecules in, if it's a CO2 bubble. Yeah. Carbon dioxide molecules finding each other against the odds, overcoming all the intermolecular forces that are holding them apart. They find each other and they, they stick together with their intermolecular forces between one another. And as more and more other molecules come to join them, you start to see a, a literal space form where there's m- gas molecules together and not liquid anymore. Mm. And once enough of those are together, they can get large enough to rise up to the top, pop, and boom, CO2 escapes. Right, right. So that happens whenever you open your soda. Right. They'll slowly do that. And that's why over time it becomes flatter and flatter. Right. Eventually there's so much CO2 that's escaped that it affects the sensation of drinking it and the taste a little Mm -hmm. bit and all that stuff. And we all know that that's less enjoyable. (laughs) And that's a flat soda right there. Yeah. Okay. So... That's what we chemists call a flat, a flat soda. <laughs> uh, that's funny. That is what that is what we chemists call it. I think that's what everybody calls it. Yeah, chemists and every other profession as well. <laughs> so when the can is closed, it's a little bit different, right? Because it's under pressure. So yeah. it's a it's a closed system. The CO two can't escape. There is a sliver of empty space at the top of your soda can, usually. Mm-hmm. You, when you open it, the liquid's not right there at the top. There's a little space of air. Right. So when your soda can is closed under a lot of pressure, the few bubbles that are able to find each other, the few molecules that are able to find each other, collect enough of them together to form a bubble and float to the top, they're just going to be trapped in that top sliver of air. Yeah. Until no more of them can join that space. Mm, mm. So that space will get full of CO2 molecules and then all the rest are going to stay down, dissolved in the solution. Okay. As soon as you open it, the CO2 that's there on the top goes away. All the pressure is gone Mm. and the rest of the CO2 molecules are able to start finding each other and trying to escape. And that happens slowly. Right. When we shake it... The gas molecules that were at the top disperse throughout the soda. And that gives the other gas molecules, you're mechanically mixing up Mm. the CO2 molecules at the top with the rest of the liquid. And then they are more likely to be able to find each other because you're putting energy into that soda. The molecules are moving around more. They're able to find each other more easily. Got it. Got it more chances to disrupt the intermolecular mm-hmm. forces that are keeping them sort of from each other. Yes. And more CO2 dissolved or mixed up in it, I guess, R- because oh, you're yeah. taking the stuff that's escaped and putting it back in rapidly. Yeah. So the top, that, that air at the top is probably CO2, like also mm-hmm. probably not like. It's CO2 because if it wasn't in the beginning, whatever was in the solution that tried to escape did. And then that was it. Okay. Okay. 
Got it. So it's probably got a layer of CO2 right there at the top. That could be dissolved back in or could just be, Mm -hmm. yeah, mixed back. Okay, got it, got it. Yes. So when you shake it up, whatever was at the top is getting mixed in throughout and you're giving more opportunities for these CO2 molecules to find each other and to make larger pockets of CO2 molecules together. Yes, yes. And if you keep it under pressure, eventually they'll kind of even themselves back out. Some will escape, go to the top. They'll, you know, intermolecular forces are still at play. Molecules are always moving, even if it's just a can sitting still on your desk or whatever. Yeah. So eventually it'll kind of even itself back out. Okay. That was going to be my next question is like, what happens when you shake one and then let it be and it just, yeah, ends up kind of balancing back out? Yeah, that's what should happen. Okay. Okay. But if you rapidly release the pressure... When all of those bubbles have found each other, all of those molecules have found each other and form bubbles, they're ready to go. They're Mm. ready to escape. They found each other. They have enough energy. The only thing keeping them down is the pressure. You release the pressure and boom, all of the gas tries to get out at once. They have successfully formed a rebellion. They've successfully formed a rebellion. So the way I think of that is the... CO2 molecules at the top are the leaders. We disperse the leaders throughout the can. So they're collecting people to come along with them. And then if the empire is not looking, yeah, boom, they'll take over. Yeah. They'll destroy the Death Star. Yeah. So the other thing that happens, though, is when all of those bubbles are trying to escape, usually because they're dispersed in the soda, some soda will come along with them. And that's why it looks foamy. Mm-hmm is the whatever molecules are all in the soda are also coming out with the air. It's not straight air bubbles because it's happening so fast that like soda molecules are getting trapped in there and it's just pushing everything out so it can find its pressure or even out as pressure as fast as possible. Right, right. So that is why soda cans explode when you shake them. Huh. Interesting. And... I'm guessing it's similar for kombucha. Maybe, maybe the gas is yes. slightly different. I'm not sure what the makeup of, of kombucha, you know, sort of carbonation is, but I, I guess it's right. the chance it could be different, but I don't know. Yes. I think it would be similar gas. I don't know because isn't it produced by bacteria? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Bacteria eating sugar. If and... they're eating sugar, I think it would likely to be CO2 okay, okay. and water because that mostly what sugar is made up of carbons, hydrogens, and oxygens. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a lot of time byproducts of biochemical products are CO2 and water. That okay. would be my guess. And there's yeast but involved too. I don't know for sure. Yeah. I think yeast also puts out CO2. Okay, cool. Yeah. I don't know 100%. I'm not a biologist, but usually if it's a natural system and gas is escaping, that's a pretty good sign unless it smells really bad and then it's sulfur. Mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely has that a little bit of a similar like smell to, you know, bread or whatever. Like it, you can yeah. tell that there's a, yeah, it's not sulfury. Um, but I be- do think the bubbles would behave the same no matter what they're made of. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that seems to track with just the anecdotal experience I've had. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad, but I will say, in my analogy, the when I talked about the the leaders of the rebellion get spread out if the pressure is released, if the empire is not paying attention, uh-huh. boom, it explodes. But if the empire is paying attention and they squash the rebellion, that's the can hap- 
still having the pressure on and not being open and things will kind of go back, yeah. you know, momentum goes away and they'll go back to where they originally were just kind of like, right. You know, re- rebelling in their own ways individually rather than as a group. Yeah. In that case, the empire still has a, a control over all dimensions of the way things are working. And so there is no, no way. Of course, there are other stories where the, some other things happen like temperature. You leave a soda can sealed in your car. Sometimes it can explode and that could be the way the rebellion bursts out of the can. But in most <laughs> but cases, that's more about, do you know why it explodes whenever you let it sit in your car and get hot? Well, what certainly, is happening to the molecules? Certainly more heat, more energy molecules getting more excited, more movement, more pressure coming mm-hmm. from inside. Yeah. But it seems like in the average situation, the empire is able to keep control until <laughs> one of us goes over and opens the tab. Um, yes, definitely. <laughs> and the more pressure coming from the inside, whenever it heats up, eventually overcomes the amount of pressure that that can is or bottle mm-hmm. is rated to hold. Mm. Bottles are less likely to do it because they're actually stronger than aluminum. Right, right. So, but cans are notorious for exploding. Especially, yeah. I don't leave cans in the car in Texas yeah. in the summer, <laughs> yeah. unless they're already open and they're long, not long for this world. Yeah, but this—that's why—is because the heat puts so much energy into them that the can cannot contain the amount of pressure mm-hmm. that now the the soda is exerting on the can. But also, gases are less soluble. As they heat up in liquid, I think it is because they move around oh, and they're better yeah. at escaping. Yeah. And we talked about that being the one exception to things dissolve more when you heat them up, except gas. Right, right. I forgot about that. Yeah, that is so interesting. And, and it, so I think that probably contributes also to the pressure is that gas is trying so hard to get out of that soda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So that is why soda or other carbonated beverages explode when you shake them. Okay. Okay. But, so I want you to explain it back to me, but I do have one thought of something else that might be at play when this happens. A fun fact for you, if you will. Okay. Sort of an Easter egg for those people who are in general chemistry classes right now. Nice. And then that will wrap us up nicely, I think. Okay, sweet. So um, what's tough is your analogy was pretty dang good. And I loved, of course, the connection to like, we've often joked about intermolecular forces and the force, the force in Star Wars. And (laughs) so you picked a Star Wars analogy to kind of talk about what's overcoming the intermolecular forces (laughs) and causing a rebellion. So anyway, it's just too good. I don't know if I came up with another analogy. It might just be a different movie where... A different, yeah, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, different rebellions. You, you get those the fellowship spread out yeah. around around Middle Earth. Yeah, although in that and case, in the, causing rebellions. Yeah, although in that story, it's almost like them splitting up and spreading out was what made them undetectable and able to do what they needed to do. So I don't know. That's tough. That's true. I was thinking of them as the cans at the top, and then they got dispersed throughout the liquid to uh, rally yeah. the meeting point. That's true. That is true. So either way, the analogy of there being some leaders who are able to um, inspire a rebellion and get a lot of people 
uh, inspired to join them seems to be the most intuitive analogy I would think, be able to think of as well. So I'll stick with that. Um, when we start with the can before we've shaken it up at all or anything like that, there's a lot of things going on. There's like the water that's, we know a good chunk of any soda is water. Um, mm-hmm. and then there is, uh, syrup, which is all the flavoring as well as like the sweetener and all that stuff in there. And there's also the, um, carbon dioxide. Those are all mixed together and the carbon dioxide is dissolved into that can uh, into the liquid <laughs> and that means that yeah dissolved into the can yeah. made me it made me imagine that there were little co2 molecules in the aluminum yeah yeah kind of cute yeah don't, don't <laughs> shake up the can because then the actual aluminum will start to froth and form bubbles <laughs> or whatever <laughs> uh, so there's all this carbon dioxide um dissolved into the soda into the liquid which mm-hmm. means that all the molecules of that gas are still there still together it's still carbon dioxide but they are um are kind of dispersed throughout and then surrounded by uh, the other things there it's been dissolved into it and uh held by intermolecular forces to where these molecules of carbon dioxide are being kind of held individually or at least in small groups, not big enough to form a bubble quite yet uh, or not a lot of bubbles anyway. And, um, and it's at this very kind of calm, um, not anything crazy happening, um, peaceful situation for the most part when the can is just sitting idle. Yes. All those, I mean, things are still moving around, but they're not able to, to do much. Yeah, no significant rebellions, no no empires being overthrown quite yet. Right, so to speak. right. Um, and then when we shake it up, there's, there's this CO2 hanging out at the top where there's that little mm-hmm. gap. When we shake it up, we are able to, one, get that CO2 that's right there kind of mixed in back into the soda. And then also we're able to just help a lot of those other small CO2 molecules sort of be able to overcome the intermolecular forces that are holding them separate. And they're able to start finding each other more. Right. Forming, which, which is able to create bubbles. Once a lot of those molecules find each other, they are able to be strong enough together to form some space. Um, yes. For their gas to make a bubble. And when I think of that too, like if you imagine having a can in your hand and you're shaking it up, we're just really giving more opportunity by putting that energy in it and mechanically mixing it. Yeah. We're giving more opportunity for the, the CO2 molecules to run into each other and then stick together. Right. Oh, you're my buddy. I want to be with you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then if we do that and then quickly afterward open the can, then we are able to, and things have not calmed back down in the can yet, then Uh um, there's all this room for these bubbles that have been forming to start escaping so that they're not held back by the limitations of the aluminum can. And we've been able to let all these CO2 molecules find each other, create bubbles, and then we've been given the opportunity to let themselves out. And they also start pushing out because of all the craziness happening. A lot of soda comes out too because mm-hmm. it's kind of bubbling up and it's 
I guess probably also forming the barriers between bubbles. So yeah. that brings out some soda too. And, um, and that makes a mess. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Okay. So here's your fun fact slash Easter egg. So if okay. you are someone who's in general chemistry now, or maybe has ever taken it, you've probably talked about Le Chatelier's principle. Hmm. And essentially what Le Chatelier's principle says is once something has reached equilibrium in a closed system, if nothing changes, it the forward reaction and the backward reaction are happening at the same rates. This is not your main chemistry lesson for today, so don't worry too much about it. Okay. If then you mess something up on one side or the other, the reaction will have to try to balance itself back out. Mm. So in our cans, in our soda cans, we have carbonic acid that is breaking down into CO2 and water, and then it's reforming into carbonic acid. So those forward and reverse reactions are happening at the same time mm -hmm. in our soda cans. But when you let CO2 out, you've put stress on one side of the system. So more of that carbonic acid will break down into CO2. Mm. So actually by releasing the CO2, it's likely that the leftover acid is generating more CO2 to cause more chaos at the same time. Ah, interesting. So that's a quick overview of Le Chalet's principle. If you haven't heard it before and you're like, what? Totally understand. I think we talked more about it in the fluoride on toothpaste episode. Mm -hmm. But this is a little Easter egg for you. If you do have it that you remember like, oh, we're getting rid of CO2. So more CO2 is being made. So then... As the CO2 rushes out, it's possible that also they're trying the carbonic acid molecules are breaking down to try to restore equilibrium, contributing to the chaos. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of fun if you know about that or remember about that from general chemistry. Nice. Interesting. His name sounds familiar. Do you think I would have, in like a chemistry for non-majors, do you think I would have heard his name? I learned about it in high school chemistry. So I think it's possible that you could have learned about it. You could have learned about equilibrium and Le Chalet's principle in high school chemistry. Okay, interesting. A lot of the name stuff, like I remember which names I learned in high school for the most part, I think. Mm, yeah. But then Le Voisier and let's say the guy's name you just said again. Le Chatelier. Le Chatelier. To me, those both, for some reason in my mind, feel like they were in college. But like that's possible. Yeah. Niels Bohr and um, oh yeah, Dmitri Vendeleev. Those are like the people I think of from high school. Oh, I think of those people from college. Interestingly huh. enough, huh. but also there's just a lot of names that it's likely that you yeah. don't remember. Off-ball principle, this, that, and the other. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sweet. Well, even if you don't remember Le Chatelier's principle, I still think it's fun that it might be at play. I honestly, I feel like it would be hard to confirm that because it's happening so fast. I don't know how much mm -hmm. of that equilibrium is, you know, going to really try to restore itself. Mm -hmm. But it's likely to be at play. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. That's cool. So that's it. That's your chemistry lesson for today. Do you want to tell me a little bit about what's been going on in your week lately? I haven't seen you much because I'm just working on my dissertation all the time. So I don't know what's happening in your life really. Dude, I know it's like, I mean, we've had this happen a couple of times where we've had weird gaps between recording and stuff like that for any number of reasons. But the thing that that's the coolest that's happened since you and I hung out last is that uh, M and I got to go visit her family up in Indiana, which... 
any listeners of the podcast will know we <laughs> end up doing basically somewhere around every six to eight months or so. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was cool about this time is we flew and my son, uh, we did that for a few reasons, but my son did like amazing on the plane. So. Oh my gosh. That, I love him. He's so yeah, cute. Yeah, that was a huge, huge, you know, like relief. And then uh, we got to see all of M's family and catch up with them. And we got to stay in like, M's really good at finding Airbnbs. Um, yeah, she really is. <laughs> yeah. And so I joked about it in our, uh, the story I posted last week, like or two weeks ago, whenever that was, that we were there. Um and how there are just family photos all around the Airbnb, but yeah. <laughs> uh, of someone else's family. But um, so it was pretty fun. And that trip can always be exhausting, but also just be good to get a chance to catch up with so much family at once. Yeah. And it went off without a hitch. I mean, we were, were a little risky trying to do the whole airplane deal. And, um, but it saved us so much time not having to drive. And, because my son's under two, he was free. So all these things that we're like, we just gotta, gotta try at least once, you know? Yeah. So anyway, it was fun. And I actually did take Jam and Emily to the airport this time. That's right. So I, I knew that you went there, but I didn't get to pick you up. So I didn't know how things were. So yeah. it's kind of nice to hear a little update yeah. on how it went. That's true. That's true. And what's funny is that we were, while you were driving us to the airport, we kind of had some, you know, uh, throwback conversations about, the time you took us to the airport early in the days of the podcast when yeah. Emma and I went to New Zealand for like, you know, three or four weeks or whatever. And that was like, it was a weird little deja vu kind of deal where it was like, whoa, the last time we did this exact thing was a long time ago and before there was a pandemic and... <laughs> and before you had a son. Before I had a son and before the podcast had been going on this long, all these things that were just kind of fun to to talk about, but yeah. Think about, yeah. yeah. But uh, that was, that's me. That's what's been happening in my life. What about you? I haven't had a chance to catch up with you in a while either. Well, nothing much has changed for me except that I'm working on my dissertation all the time still. Mm-hmm. And so I do want to warn our listeners, if there's any disruptions in our schedule or the episode you're expecting to come is maybe not the one that came. <laughs> <laughs> it's likely because um, my dissertation is due to my committee, so not it won't be my final thing. I'll have to turn in my dissertation and then have my defense, but it's in one month. Mm. So it's it's game time now. Yeah, yeah. And so that's pretty much the same. None of that has changed really, except my husband and I did book an Airbnb with no Wi-Fi in the woods. Whoa. So that I can go right in the last few days. So it's due April 18th. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go that week to an Airbnb and I'm just going to be locked in a cabin. I'm going to make myself a little schedule, wake up, go for a walk, come back right nice. to lunch, go for a walk, eat lunch right until dinner, yeah. <laughs> probably right in the evening too, depending on where we're at. But yeah. that was kind of a relief because it gives me an opportunity to leave real life and focus on writing for five days in the final hour. So, um, that's very exciting. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. That's awesome. That's a great idea. It sounds like a great way to change scenery and have productivity and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I think it'll be really fun actually. Yeah. 
So I'm excited about that. But otherwise, nothing else happens to me. I just spend all my time writing. <laughs> That's my current life. So, yeah, I can't believe it's coming so quick. I remember when we started the podcast, I just started my new program like that year. Yeah. So it's it's going really, really fast. I can't believe it. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. Well, we're still rooting for you. So keep trucking. Um, Thank you. I, I appreciate it. I need all your good, your prayers, good thoughts, good vibes. I need them. Send them my way. <laughs> Absolutely. There's not much else we can do than that. I'm sure you don't really want us trying to help you, help you write it. So we'll just keep our distance and send the vibes, thoughts, prayers. So yeah, my friends are like, Oh, well, how can we help you? And I'm like, you can come sit quietly next to me while I work constantly. Yeah. That would be the that's the biggest blessing in my life right now yeah. is company without expectation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. So yeah, that's what's going on with me. Well, cool. So I'm really thankful to all those friends who have done that. And I'm also really thankful to y'all for sending your thoughts and prayers and good vibes and for taking the time to learn about chemistry with us today. This is a nice break from the grind of <laughs> dissertation life dude yeah i'm sure um well thanks for teaching us thanks for taking that break and teaching us something cool about exploding sodas and um if you have any ideas like cameron did uh, who sent the question about why sodas explode in the first place you can reach out to us on gmail twitter instagram or facebook at chem for your life that's chem f-o-r your life to share your thoughts and ideas with us if you'd like to help us keep our show going and contribute to cover the costs of making it you can go to ko-fi.com slash chem for your life or tap the link in our show notes to donate the cost of a cup of coffee. If you're not able to donate, you can still help us by subscribing on your favorite podcast app and rating and writing our review on Apple Podcasts. That also helps us to share chemistry with even more people. This episode of Chemistry for Your Life was created by Melissa Collini and Jam Robinson. References for this episode can be found in our show notes or on our website. Jam Robinson is our producer and we'd like to give a special thanks to... V. Garza and S. Navarro, who reviewed this episode.